0: Hi and welcome to today's Flex LNG webcast, where we will be presenting our second quarter results as well as discussing the latest development in the company and in the LNG market. As always, we will conclude with a Q&A session. If you'd like to ask a question in the Q&A session, you can either use the chat function in this webcast at any time, or you may alternatively send an email to ir at flexlng.com and we will try to answer these questions at the end of the presentation. Before we start, I will remind you of the disclaimer as we will provide some forward-looking statements. We will utilize industry-specific non-GAAP measures like TCE and figures like adjusted EBTA or adjusted net income. Additionally, there are limits to the completeness of detail that we may provide in these presentations, so we therefore recommend that you also review our earnings report for additional information. So without further ado, I hand over the floor to Einstein Lev, the CEO of Flex LNG Management, who will guide you through today's presentation together with our CFO Knut Troholt.
1: Go ahead Einstein, the floor is yours. Hi everybody and welcome to FlexLNG's second quarter result presentation. We are pleased today to deliver strong numbers of revenues of 84 million with 10 million higher than in Q1 and aligned with the guidance of approximately 85 million. Net income and adjusted net income came in at 44 and 33 million respectively where the main difference is the gains we have recorded on our interest rate swaps. Earnings per share and adjusted earnings per share came in at 83 and 61 cents respectively, giving us a strong uh, profit for the quarter. We in June announced three new contracts, two seven-year charters and one time charter of 10-year with very good counterparties. This added 24 years of backlog and we now have a backlog of minimum 54 years with the new contracts adding about 750 million of new revenue backlog. With our strong earnings visibility, we are also reiterating our revenue guidance for the second half of the year. Q3 revenues are estimated to around 90 million while we expect Q4 revenues to be somewhere in the range of 90 to 100 million, i.e. numbers for the second half of the year will be even better than the first half. The quarterly dividend uh, is 75 cents per share, but in this quarter we are also adding a 50 cents special dividend. So in total we end up at a dividend of 1.25 dollars per share. We have recently concluded a balance sheet optimization program where we raised 137 million of fresh ca- cash and we are now distributing some of this cash or excess cash back to our shareholders. with our distribution uh, the last 12 months of three and a half dollars per share, this implies an attractive uh, dividend yield of around 10%. Let's touch upon the, the recent contracts. As I mentioned, we added three new contracts in June, uh, two new seven-year time charters for Flex Enterprise and Flex Amber, which already commenced on July 1st and will be running until end of second quarter. 2029. We also fixed Flex Rainbow on a 10-year charter, which will start in direct continuation of our existing time charter, which is elapsing in January 2023. I.e., this ship is covered until start of 2033. Altogether, this added 24 years of backlog, as I mentioned. Our backlog is now 55. 54 years with additional extension options, which could further increase this backlog. Um, We have been busy fixing out a lot of ships uh, recently. Um, Prior to COVID, we have only fixed one ship. We fixed the Flex Artemis on a variable time charter in the autumn of 2019. And that ship was delivered on that contract in August 2020. During 2020, the market was very depressed, also affecting uh, the long-term time charter rates, and we decided to rather play the spot market and and wait to fix our ships when the market has improved. So last April, we fixed five ships to Chenier. Flex Endeavour, Flex Ranger, Flex Vigilant all commenced the time charter last year. Flex Volunteer commenced her time charter with Chenier during the second quarter, and Flex Aurora will commence a time charter with Chenier at the end of third quarter this year. In May last year, we also fixed two ships, Flex Freedom and Flex Constellation. Flex Constellation for a prompt three-year time charter where we deliver that ship to the charter in May, and then Flex Freedom for a five-year time charter where we deliver this ship to the Super Major in the first quarter of 2022. Last autumn, we also fixed out two more ships, Flex Resolute and Flex Courageous, which were delivered to the charter at the beginning of 2022. These contracts are for 3 plus 2 plus 2 years, but we are very confident that these ships will sail under these time charters for a total of seven years. And then, as I mentioned, we recently fixed three more ships Flex Amber, Enterprise, and Rainbow uh, on 24 years of total contract duration. This means we have a very strong charter backlog. Uh, we, during our May presentation uh, for the first quarter, we put in three stars in this overview. We put in a star on Rainbow, the Amber and the Enterprise as these ships were coming open in the market and we were very confident of on our ability. To fix these ships out on attractive new charters. So for Flex Amber and the Enterprise we replaced the variable time charter these ships had and we replaced them with seven-year fixed higher uh, time charters as mentioned while Flex Rainbow is fixed forward uh, for Q1, Q1 next year and then for a duration of 10 years bringing that ship into 2033. Our spot exposure has thus also been reduced quite a lot. Uh, in Q2 we had three ships on a variable higher index, Amber Enterprise and Artemis. Uh, we also had about one and a half ship in the short-term spot market. These were Flex Aurora, which we fixed on a five to seven month uh, multi, multi-month uh, time charter and where she will be delivered to Che at end of Q3. Flex Volontaire Tjernier agreed to take early delivery and this uh, ship was delivered to Tjernier in the middle of Q2 after servicing spot market. Going forward then, most of our uh, income is fixed rate higher, so our earnings visibility is very predictable. The only ship then exposed to the spot market is Flex Artemis, which is on a variable high, higher time charter linked to the spot market. And, uh, which is uh, elapsing in 20, uh, August 2025 with further extension option by the Charter. So let's talk a bit about the dividend. Um, we have put up in the past a list of the key decision factors influencing uh, our board when we are making the appropriate dividend uh, level. Uh, as you can see our uh, Adjusted EPS has been picking up. Q2 is usually the weakest or softest quarter in LNG shipping as this is the low season of the, of the market with our increased uh, fixed rate higher contracts. Our Q2 numbers for this quarter is actually stronger than the Q1 numbers. This is the fourth time we are paying out our ordinary quarterly dividend of 75 cents after we fixed nine ships Last year on attractive contracts, we hiked our dividend to 75 cents and we are continuing paying that quarterly dividend. In addition this time, we are also paying a special dividend of 50 cents bringing it to 1.25 dollars per share because as I mentioned, we have been through a big refinancing phase where we have boosted our cash balance to 284 million at the end of second quarter. So when we are looking at these decision factors, we said last May that we expected all these uh, factors to turn green by the second quarter, and so they have. Our earnings are strong, the market outlook is good, we have a fantastic backlog, our liquidity position with 284 million is very strong. We are passing all the financial covenants with flying colors, we have no upcoming debt maturities near term. And all the ships have been delivered, so capEx liability are only related to the ordinary dry docking of these ships, which we will have four of next year. but uh, such cost is uh, about three million per ship. Other consideration is uh, a bit uh, more uh, difficult to, uh, to, to, to kind of assess but uh, with a a Fed aggressively fighting inflation, and cool loan of the Chinese economy and fairly volatile financial markets, we still keep this factor at light green. Nevertheless, we are paying a very juicy dividend for this quarter. So with that, I think i hand it over to you, Knut, for a financial wrap-up. Thank you, Einstein, and let's have a look at the
2: financial highlights for the second quarter. Revenues uh, came in at 84 million and as mentioned 10 million higher than the first quarter of 75. This uh, equates to a time charter equivalent per day of 70,700. This is significantly higher than the second quarter for previous years and as already mentioned by Eusteyn the second quarter is normally a seasonal low quarter in LNG shipping. So the higher result is explained by Uh, our uh, fixed-rate contract portfolio where we have a higher number of vessels on fixed-rate contracts. Uh, We have the two uh, uh, new seven-year contracts for the AMBER and the Enterprise that will go from a variable higher contract to attractive fixed-rate contracts. So the seasonality effect in the coming quarters and the coming second quarters will be significantly lower. If you look at the operating expenses, they are at par with the first quarter, and the OPEX per day is at about uh, 13,000 per day, which uh, is at uh, the guided level we previously announced. If you look at the interest uh, rate expenses, they are also at par, and that's partly explained by our interest rate hedging portfolio, which we see on the second line, which is the gain on derivatives of 14 million for the quarter. uh, On top of the 32 million for last quarter. I will come back uh, on more details on the derivative portfolio uh, on the next slides. So that comes into the net income of 44 million or 83 cents per share uh, and uh, adjusted net income of 33 million or adjusted apps per share of 61 cents. If we look at the balance sheet that remains robust and clean we have 13 state-of-the-art uh, LNG vessel uh, with an average rate of 2.6 years at the quarter-end. There's so a reminder that uh, this fleet has been acquired and the book value reflects that these were acquired at the historical low prices and is only adjusted by regular depreciations. Our balance sheet, as already mentioned, has a rock-solid cash balance of 284 million and if you look at the equity of 910 that equates to a book equity ratio of 34%. If we look at the cash flow for the quarter it's mainly uh, affected by the refinancing activity that we did in the second quarter. That is the conclusion of the balance sheet optimization program phase one where we released 111 million during the quarter that boosts our cash balance to 284. As a reminder, um, uh, amortization in Q1 and Q3 uh, are higher, so it's a bit lower amortization this year due to the semi-annual repayments under the ECA facility. If we then go to the next phase of the balance sheet optimization program, uh, we have completed phase one. We have one vessel left for delivery. That is the Flex uh, Endeavor under the 375 million term loan and RCF facility. She will be delivered back to us and under the financing uh, now during September. Uh, For the phase two, we have started this uh, with the Flex Enterprise. We have bought her back on our existing fixed rate sale and leaseback structure and we have uh, refinanced her uh, with cash so she is probably the only unencumbered two-stroke uh, LNG vessels in the world for the moment. We have initiated the uh, various financing dialogues and we are in advanced stages for a 150 million dollar bank loan facility which is back-to-back uh, with the contract the seven-year contract uh, with the super major. Then we are Considering further refinancing, uh, it's one for optimizing our debt funding, but also to free up an additional hundred million dollars in cash. Our priorities is to extend our repayment profiles, improve uh, the pricing under the facilities that will reflect our credit uh, uh, profile, but also the credit profile under the underlying contracts. And then we are further seeking to push out debt maturities, and uh, improve leverage uh, to release the 100 million dollar in cash. We see here we have a number of facilities uh, that we are addressing. And um, after the enterprise, we will consider uh, all of these. It could be an amendment, an extension of existing financing or plain refinancing. But all in all, this is what we will spend time on for the for the next quarters and we hope to revert shortly with more updates on this. So let's take a look at our interest rate uh, hedge portfolio. We have a combination of uh, fixed rate lease uh, for the Flex Volunteer entered into in December last year at an all-in rate of 4%. In addition, we have a portfolio of uh, uh, interest rate swaps with a notional value of $853 million. Historically, this has been LIBOR swaps, and in Q1 we entered into $200 million in 10-year uh, interest rate swap based on SOFR. During the second and third quarter, we have amended and extended some of our LIBOR swaps in the uh, of additional $250 million and swapped these for 10-year SOFR Based swaps at attractive levels. If you look at the SOFR portfolio, that is on average uh, remaining duration of uh, 8.9 years at uh, 1.9% fixed rate. That is attractive compared to the 10 year swap rates of 3.1%. And also for our LIBOR swap portfolio, which has a shorter duration of 2.8 years compared with the uh, two-year swap rates at 3.7 overall this gives us a hedge ratio of 63% on the total debt excluding any utilization of the RCF this gives us a solid foundation for uh, any increase in further increase in long-term interest rates and uh, with that I hand it back to us for an update on the
1: LNG market Thank you, Knut. We have certainly been ahead of the curve compared to the governors of the Federal Reserve. We started worrying about inflation with all these fiscal stimulus and uh, have entered into a very good portfolio of uh, interest rate hedges, which have so far this year gained 46 million dollars. So, good job on on those swaps. So, let's uh, let's talk a bit about the market. Uh, global LNG volumes is up about 5% in the first seven months of 2022. Uh, As in the past, um, most of this LNG export growth is driven by US. Uh, US is contributing about half of the growth in uh, this first seven months of the year with six million tons additional exports. Uh, Russia, despite all the sanctions for Russia, Russia is still increasing its LNG exports, particularly from Yamal, And of course, there are really no uh, sanctions on on Russian gas, so uh, Russian gas will continue to probably uh, grow. Um, And and as we've seen on the oil side, Russians have been able to offload uh, some of the volumes to Asian buyers if the European buyers are not interested. The other bracket here is uh, mostly Australia and Malaysia, which have added... uh, about uh, half of these 4 million tons, and that brings us up to 232 million tons of exports in the seven first months of the year. More interestingly, is on the import side where Europe has been gobbling up LNG spot cargoes on an unprecedented uh, level. So far this year, about two out of three US LNG cargoes have ended up in Europe compared to one in three last year. In some sense, you could say Europe has been lucky because the the cool down in the Chinese economy driven by COVID lockdowns have resulted in lower demand from China and Chinese imports this year is down by more than 20 percent, so their imports is down 9 million tons and European buyers has thus been able to get access to these cargos which would have been a lot more difficult if the Chinese economy was uh, running at uh, normal capacity. If we're looking then more into the European uh, gas crisis, uh, Europe came out of this winter with very low levels of uh, gas, uh, and this was further aggregated by uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine in the end of February, which kind of put a panic in the market. European gas consumption in the first half of the year is actually down 10% but this is mostly driven by pipeline exports especially from then Russia and the pipeline gas flow in the third quarter so far is down 75% compared to the levels in 2021 and actually the levels of imports from Russia were pretty low in 2021 in Europe compared to the pre-COVID levels. Uh, Nevertheless, given the uh, rapid increase in LNG imports in uh, Europe, uh, European gas inventories have actually been brought back to the normal level and we are seeing uh, the inventory levels approaching 80% uh, coming into September. However, uh, the gas crisis has not been alleviated with the reduction in the Russian pipeline flows Europe will have face a very difficult time during the winter as there's not enough LNG in the market to replace the Russian pipeline flows. So if we look then at pricing, uh, the price of LNG has rocketed. Uh, these are the numbers from close of day Monday when the TTF, which is the Dutch gas hub price hit 84 dollars per million BTU. This is close to 500 dollars per barrel of oil equivalent, and we also saw seen uh, the German one year forward electricity price equating to somewhere close to 1000 dollars per barrel of oil equivalent. The glut of LNG into Europe have, however, created some bottlenecks. So we see the widest spread between LNG and pipeline gas prices in Europe ever. So the price for a LNG cargo uh, delivered ex-ship in northwest Europe is $60, so a $24 spread compared to the pipeline gas price. The European gas prices is also driving up uh, the spot price for LNG into Asia, where the JKM, which is the Asian benchmark price, is more or less on par with the LNG price in Northwest Europe. Even though the Henry Hub now is at a 14-year high of around $10, it's immensely profitable to export these cargos from US to either than Europe or Asia, with the arbitrage of around $200 million per cargo. But keep in mind that About two-thirds of all the cargoes are still being sold on long-term contracts at a discount to oil. So that gives a price of around $12 per million BTU. And these cargoes are mostly shipped in to Asia. And Asia is mostly tapping the spot market for marginal cargos in the peak season, which is usually the winter. So we are certainly in for an interesting winter. If we're then looking at forward prices, it, <laughs> high gas prices are here to stay, the future prices are way above the oil price linked contract price. So in the bottom of the graph here you can see the Henry Hub price, it's at a 14-year high now of $10, but given the vast shale resources in US, the future pricing is uh, leading to a lower price in US. Uh, the the grey line here is the price for LNG sold on long-term contract linked to oil, which is still at a fairly low level when you are comparing to the spot prices on the European Gas Hub, TTF, and the JKM, which is the Asian spot price for LNG. Uh, lately, Europe, as I mentioned, has been the main driver for the price increases and prices are at the premium to Asia. And, and this premium is also why the spot market was very soft in Q1 following a very strong spot market in Q4. The, the high price in Europe has incentivized export from US or the Atlantic area into Europe rather than to Asia which entails longer sailing distances and, uh, and thus absorb more shipping capacity. However, as I mentioned, there is a big price spread between Uh, the gas price in Europe, TTF, and the LNG price in Europe. So we do see some cargoes being shipped to Latin America and Asia as there is really not enough capacity to import these cargoes into Europe. So high gas prices actually mean for us higher earnings potential for our modern LNG carriers. All LNG carriers are about 60% more efficient than the older steam generation. And they are substantially more efficient than the diesel, electric or tri-fuel ships that was very popular 10 years ago. We have here highlighted a sensitivity on the charter rate given different uh, LNG prices. Keep in mind that LNG ships mostly utilize the LNG on cargo as fuel. As we are utilizing the boil off from the cargo tanks to fuel the propulsion of the ship. And having a more efficient ship means that you have a bigger cargo to sell at your destination. So, if we are looking at, for example, uh, prices today of $55 per million BTU, if a spot, spot uh, steamship is making $15,000 per day, which is basically its OPEX level. You can add a premium of $104,000 per day for a tri-fuel ship, because this ship is much more efficient and generally a bit larger than a a steamship. But you can add another premium on top of that of $71,000 per day for a two-stroke ship like a Maggie XTF bringing the charter rate to $190,000. Of course these are theoretical numbers based on the fuel consumption and the cargo parcel size but this means that in theory with a $55 uh, LNG price where a steamship is making $15,000 you could pay $190,000 for a modern ship. So all in all a, high, a tight LNG market even increase the premium that ships can command in the market. So let's have a look at the spot market. Uh, The spot market was super strong in Q4, um, where we actually saw the highest spot rates ever for LNG uh, ships. But as I mentioned, we had this shift of trade from Asia into Europe with the European gas crisis, and this resulted in a lot uh, shorter sailing distances. Sailing distances fell 15% from Q4 to Q1, and this released a lot of ships available in the market, driving down freight rates at the start of the year. However, the market bounced back rather quickly. Uh, Usually the spot market uh, bounced back around uh, middle of March. We bounced back a bit quicker this time. And the market recovery was very strong with rates above $100,000 during May into June. Uh, before, we had this close down of the Freeport LNG export plant in US. The Freeport LNG export plant has 15 million ton of annual production, so this resulted in a loss of around 15 to 17 cargos on a monthly basis, thus releasing a lot of, especially relets in the market, uh, and with more ships available in the market. Um, Freight rates plummeted back to around 60000 dollars 70000 before now recently bouncing back strongly again to around 120000 Some of the bounce back probably explained by the expectation that Freeport would cl- uh, start up again uh, loading from October. This has now been pushed back to November as we learned yesterday. This might delay the uptick a bit by a month or so but the future rates for LNG spot rates are super strong for Q4, where we can see probably rates in the $200,000 range again, and also explain why we have a bit range in our Q4 revenue guidance as we have one chip linked to the spot market. So let's have a look at the uh, term market, which has remained strong the whole period. The term market has been less volatile and very firm Uh, even in this period with spot market weakness. One-year time charter rate for uh, Maggie XDF ships are above $170,000 per day. The three-year rate is around $140,000 per day. So these are extremely high period uh, rates for modern tonnage. And of course, as I mentioned, driven by a tight LNG market, high LNG prices where uh, these modern ships are commanding a high premium. Another factor is the new building prices have really been picking up. We did our investment in ships in 2017 and 18 when new building prices were at around 180 million ton- dollars <laughs> per, per ship. Uh, the last year or so we have seen a big increase in the price of LNG carriers, you know, driven by uh, higher materials prices both nickel and steel higher labor prices but also much tighter balance at the yards because of the glut of orders not only from lng carriers but also from the container ship which is making uh, yard slots fairly scarce today if you want to order a ship you are talking 2027 deliveries so actually the delivery time for uh, lng ship now is longer than most of the upstream LNG export plants. With a price now approaching $248 million for a new building, uh, which is the price SSY, is pegging now in the recent report, this has also driven up the the five-year time charter rate. With higher capex, you need to have a higher rate to defend that investment. And five-year rates has almost doubled during the last 18 months from mid-60s now up to $110,000 per day, which also uh, gives us comfort on the further recontracting of our fleet. Uh, looking at the, the fleet structure, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of LNG orders, and the order book uh, is now around 250 ships. This is driven by two main factors one being the replacement of older tonnage, which is inefficient, as I previously illustrated. And the second factor, was, of course, is the high growth of LNG exports, go, coming uh, from, especially from 2024 and onwards. And all the new ships for this trade is the new, Meg, uh, new type, the MeG XDFs. The purple ones there are the specialized ice ships for the Russian Arctic trade, which doesn't really usually uh, trade in the ordinary LNG carrier market. But we we do see here that there's a lot of steamships still in the market, and I will come back to that also shortly. So, looking at the order book, as I mentioned, uh, around 250 ships, but very few of these ships have been ordered on speculation. Almost all of them have been ordered towards new contracts or fleet renewal. So out of these 250 plus ships, only 30 ships are available for uh, new charters, uh, and very few of them in the period here until 2025. So that gives us some comfort in our ability to also recontract our ships once they are coming open. So, heading back to the steam ships, we have had this graph with the dinosaurs for a couple of years now. These ships uh, are too inefficient to continue to trade uh, for longer term. A lot of ships are uh, coming off existing legacy contracts, typically legacy contracts with a duration of 20 to even maybe 25 years. There are already 36 steamships uh, steam ships open in the market with an average age of 28 years. And then there are rolling off 100 steamships steam ships from contracts by 2027. And these ships will face a very hard time going forward, not only because of the high LNG price making them economically obsolete but also because next January we have new IMO regulation which we call the EXXI and uh, the CII which will put a much more stringent requirement on the efficiency of ships and we think this will result in a very big spike in attrition of older steamships which will be replaced with the newer type ships. As mentioned, the the global gas crunch is also creating interest for new volumes. We have seen an uptick in uh, contracting for LNG. Uh, We have had, during the last 18 months, about 100 million tons of new volumes being signed up. With the gas crunch in Europe you should think that the European buyers were the big buyers but actually even though China has a reduction in their LNG import this year of more than 20% they are signing up almost half of these volumes because The LNG story in China is in its early phases. This year, actually, Japan will probably import more LNG than China and they are living more than 10 times as many people in China. So China will continue to grow once they are getting uh, control with the COVID and are reflating their economy. We do also expect European buyers to be signing up for more SPAs as they need to replace a huge amount of Russian pipeline gas with LNG and probably also then renewables. So we have a list here of some recent contracts. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, for sure there is a new wave of new LNG export uh, capacity coming. So then let's uh, finish with the first slide, the Q2 highlights. I'm just going to repeat them. Revenues, 84 million. 10 million higher than Q1, in line with our guidance, net income of on a healthy 44 million adjusted for these derivative gains, we came in at 33, translating to 83 or 61 cents of earnings per share respectively. We have recently announced three new contracts, adding further backlog to our fleet, which uh, now has four, 54 years of revenue ba- <laughs> of, of firm backlog. Our revenues guidance remains the same as we recently updated. 90 million of revenues we expect in Q3, slightly higher than in Q2. And then we believe Q4 will be the strongest uh, quarter. 90 to 100 million of revenues we expect, depending a bit on the spot market, affecting the one chip we have on index. So with that, we're also happy to announce today our biggest share uh, dividend ever, $1.25 per share including the $0.50 special dividend. This gives 3 dollars 5 of dividend the last 12 months or a yield of around 10%, which we think should be attractive for our shareholders. And with that, I conclude today's presentation. We will now open up for some questions. Uh, So please use the chat function at any time or send an email to ir at flexlng.com and we will try to answer most of the questions shortly. Thank you.